you just need to find, you have to have community first. You right. don't want to come in and say, try to hawk your product saying, I need this many sales or I need this many signups on my website, et cetera. But you need to come in and you need to say, okay, what does the community need? Mm. What do they want? When you, I always say this, if you help the community attain what they can't get from themselves and your brand can provide that to them, then you're embraced. My name is Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to my masterclass. I have a PhD in education from West Virginia University. I have a master's in sport management and an MBA from the University of Massachusetts. I even have an undergraduate degree in sociology from William Patterson University. And currently, I'm the global scholar practitioner at HBCU, Florida Memorial University. But I'll also work for three of the largest sports brands in the world, Reebok, Champ Sports, and Foot Action, but I can't go anywhere without my Jordan 1s. Join me and my guests as we explore their rise to the top through adversity and challenges. It's time to help you find a hero in you. Welcome to my masterclass. Welcome to Dr. Mark's masterclass. Yes, I'm in Dallas. I'm not as cold anymore, and you're wondering why I'm a rocking LSU Eunice. Okay, because I was a visiting scholar there. Shout out to Chancellor Sorison. What's up? Look, I, I have it on. All right, but you know I'm representing, you know, I know it doesn't match, but I got Florida Memorial underneath. Always got to represent Florida Memorial University underneath my thing here, but that's all good. And I got the Lions right here. I don't have my Jordan 1s on. Actually, I do have the Jordans on. See, I always keep the jump man with me all the time, always representing, okay? Uh, but the Jordan 1s that's usually up on top of here are not up here today. But you know what? I feel like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, you know, he used to rock that. You know, he didn't rock the Jordans, but he used to come on the show and say, and I don't want to sing the neighbor song right now, but he was dope, okay? He had a nice, you know, sweater. He had nice bobo shoes, we used to call them back in the day. And he would just give you some lessons, right? Just What would you think of Mr. Rogers, man? Hey, he did his <laughs> thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, he got a documentary. Yes, he got right. a documentary. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, very well done by Tom Hanks, I believe yes. it was. But yes. high viewership, high viewership is, yes. you know, for a long, absolutely. long time. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so here's the deal, everybody. I have someone special on. I say this about everybody, right? Everybody's special. But I really got a truly special young man with me today. And uh, But before we start talking about him, I just want to encourage you all to continue to practice social distancing. We still got a pandemic, my friends, Okay. I don't like wearing a mask, but, you know, but you got to wear it. And and if you don't like wearing some regular a regular mask, you know, be fashionable with it. Wear something that's really cool. You know, I got my mask. I got the city of Miramar, Florida on right here. John, what you got? What you rocking, man? I just go straight black. Straight you black. Know, try to keep it clean. He's, he's black, man. Yep. <laughs> keep it black. All right. I keep it black, too. 24-7, right? But, yeah, I got this. This is uh, Miramar, Florida. The mayor of Miramar, Mayor Messam, he played on the 1992 Championship football team with Charlie Ward, wide receiver. You know, they call him Mayor Messam. That's his. Ne that's really his name, Wayne Messam. And the only way you remember the name Messam is like, I'm going to mess you up, right? <laughs> but he doesn't mess people up. He's a great mayor. So represent this, represent Florida Memorial. But I'm here in Dallas, and I love being here. But you know, with the Esports Future Ride Podcast Network, as well as the Innovation Media Enterprises with Aaron and Sia. Aaron and Sia holding it down, and AJ on the ones and twos. When I say ones and twos, I do not mean turntables. I mean the way he makes us sound with this microphone in our hand. And we got a brother here named John Davison. He is a host of the DLC Drop. Let me say that again. The DLC Drop on the Esports Futurize Podcast Network. 
Yeah, we're we're podcast network mates, if that's what you want to call us, right? Teammates. We're teammates, right? Yeah. And so I didn't think I was going to be teammates with John because the only teammate I thought would have been a part of him would have been working with GameStop. But I, I didn't think I wanted to work in corporate America anymore. But but today I, I want to talk uh, seriously about just the ecosystem of, of the of the video game industry. One of the things that 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 really concerns me is really the parity and and DNI, making sure that there's diversity and inclusion, and making sure that there's that 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 people from all walks of life get the equal opportunity. And one thing I love about this guest that I have, when I first met him, I, I kind of got a sense of that's the kind of person that he is. And over the last two years, I'm starting starting to discover that he really, truly embodies what he talks about. A lot of people talk about DNI. A lot of people always tell you, my best friend is white. My best friend is black. My best friend is this. When you got to start thinking about who your best friends are and the label of what they are and what they look like and how they sound, I'm going I'm to walk away from you. Now, one time have I met this person, during the time I've known him, has he ever said, oh, I got a black friend or I got a white friend. I got this. He just says, I know somebody dope. You need to meet him or you need to meet her or you need to know about this. And that's when you know you got true authenticity. And so so I welcome this, this person to the show. He, again, is my, I guess, my podcast partner, right? So there's about seven of us now that have our show here on the Esports Future Eye Podcast Network. And he's, he's, one, of, he's one of them. And I am, I'm honored to bring John Davison to the stage. He is the CEO of the DLC company. So it's a DL, the Davison Learning Company. You know why? Because his last name is Davidson. That's why. Yep. So he has his own company and he's educating some folk, okay? He's also the, the president, the past president and the chair of the board of the Esports Trade Association. He's a board member of the Dallas Influencers in Sports and Entertainment. He's a board member of the Uptown Agency. He's also an advisor. We're both advisors for the Stadia Ventures in Frisco. We love the Stadia Ventures. Absolutely. Uh, director of Business Development for PRG. He was a former head of partnerships for GameStop. And so he is one of the architects behind the uh, GameStop Performing Center. <clears throat> yes, we're going to talk about that too. And I got a chance to actually see this, this wonderful monstrosity we have here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and here. And Charles Conroy is another good friend who's also part of that deal. There's a lot I can say about this person. He also was a professional skateboarder, but he's one of the most humble people uh, you'll ever meet. And he, he owes me a game of pool. Okay, we we That's we're supposed to play a game of pool at the over. crib very soon. I don't know how good he is, but he may be a hustler. But I'm not going to bet any money. I'm not betting any money. We're just going to bet maybe a mask or something. Okay, because I don't know about this cat over I, here. I just won't tell you if I play left-handed or right-handed. That's scary. He's we got an ambidextrous <laughs> pool player over here. Okay. So he, he's showing off because he 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 rides skateboards. That's that's crazy enough, all right. And which means that he's got crazy balance and crazy just he he's out there. But now he plays pool. Man. I need something new that I'm good at in my old age that I can't be falling on concrete. Did, as much did as you I used say to. you're old? He said his old age. <laughs> my man's not even forty yet. It's about his old age. Hey, skateboarders, we we oh, age like dogs. <laughs> so skateboarders are like video games. So in skateboarders, what is what is the average age? Like the the oldest person, the max, the, as far as like. I mean, when you're going to a skate park, you're probably going to have most kids in in their teens. Yeah. you know, late teens. Yeah, uh, a lot of kids start when they're around fourteen. Okay. Usually, just life gets in the way after high school, you know, and it's it's hard to 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 get good at skating. You have to do it all the time, and you, you have to enjoy it enough where falling on you're falling on concrete for fun, you know. There there's a certain point where you don't want to do that anymore, and so there's very what's so funny, dude. 
because I look a little younger than I am. I wear a hat. I always say if I wear a hat and I shave, I look 15. All right. <laughs> but I had this moment at a skate park. And, you know, one of the cool things about skateboarding, it doesn't matter how old you are because mm-hmm. you're all there for the same reason. You love the same thing. You just, you know, if you skate, you can relate, you know? Right. And so it's it, it, it goes beyond generations. So you could be skating with somebody who's friend a bowl who's in their 50s, or you could be skating with a kid who's 13 and you have that camaraderie. It doesn't matter how old you are, right? All right. Well, this kid comes up to me. I knew he was in high school. And he's like, man, that dude over there is really old. He's 30. <laughs> and I said, you know how old I am? 37. And he just goes, damn. And he skated off. Like, <laughs> like he felt so bad for me. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I was like, so there are people, I'm as old as your dad and I'm better than you. There are no, people I'm, that are skating at 50 still? Really? Yeah. There, I mean, there's a few, you know, you're skating, they're typically skating bowls and half pipes and stuff because that's lower impact. Okay. So one thing that I've really focused on is, I think that enables me to skate at high level to these this age is I've adapted my skating to my age. Okay. So I've always thought ahead and said, because I, when I was younger, my favorite thing was just jump off the highest stuff I could find. Stairs. Did you have like any protection? Or? No, of course not. That's like the, that's something you don't do. That's sacrilege if you do that in skating. I mean, it's kind of lame. And then it <laughs> gets in the way. Wait, wait a minute. So you have knee pads on that's like, really like, like, what do you, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Wow. I mean, if you're skating vert, like the big half pipes. Yeah. Like, you're definitely wearing a helmet and pads and stuff. Because that's how you bail. It's like, if you kick your board away, you knee slide out. Right. So you need knee pads for that. Right. But, I mean, street is just like. Street, you, can, you have nothing. You can't see the scars on my arms right now. But there's, there's. I used to think that I didn't. <sighs> have that many injuries and then i found out most people don't have tons of injuries right i was like oh you haven't broken your back oh whoa whoa whoa, whoa. Wait, wait a minute you didn't break your back did you yeah when i was 17 what this is a story and you went back and did it again well i couldn't skate for six months but i used to skate with a back brace i used to put a back brace on every time i was going skateboarding for years <sighs> Okay, tell me this story. You okay, got to tell me this. So this is kind of a funny story. So I've had a number of broken bones, but when I was 17 years old, I was skating a competition at a skate park in Visalia, California. Mm-hmm. Well, they had this this fence that bordered the skate park. Mm-hmm. And in one area, there's a three-foot high quarter pipe. Mm-hmm. The fence is about four feet above that. Mm-hmm. And then there's cement on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I used to launch off the quarter pipe over the fence out of the park. Mm. And so I was... I went, I used to do that, like, you know, to film it and, like, just for, for fun. And so we had this this competition there. There were a couple other dudes who, who could jump the fence, but it was a rare thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the owner of the skate shop I skated for, he's like, John, in your warm-ups, don't practice hauling the fence. Just do it in your run. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the way you get high scores is by surprising the judges. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, my gosh, you know, high score. So I wasn't skating that well. I kind of tweaked my ankle, and my mom was there watching me that day. Mm-hmm. And she didn't come to all of my competitions, but the ones she could make, she went to. And I told her early on, I was like, Mom, if I fall or something, like, please be quiet. Because mm-hmm. she, she'll get wrapped up. Go, John, go! You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's great to have the support, but at that age, it's embarrassing, right? Right. <laughs> I was like, Mom, chill. Mm-hmm. Well, I have my last run. I'm not skating very well this day. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, well, if I, if I jump the fence, maybe I'll get second or third, whatever, right? right? So I go to do it and I knew I was going too slow. But in these situations, you'll always like push yourself a little more. You'll mm-hmm. go a little further than you would otherwise. So I was like, I'm going for it anyway. I ollie, 
this fence, my front foot caught on the top of the fence. Mm. And I felt, last thing I remember before I was on my back was my hands like this and the concrete. Mm. And so fortunately, they made us wear helmets in that situation. Mm-hmm. Who knows where what would happen to me if I hadn't. But I, my back bent the wrong way and I fractured two vertebrae. Mm. And the funny part of it is, my mom is in the stands. There's like 500 people at the skate park. <sighs> they all go running to me, right? Because mm-hmm. this kid just looks like he died. And my mom is having a conversation with another mom. And she's talking for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And eventually she's like, excuse me, I'm so sorry. That was actually my son who fell. Mm-hmm. He hasn't gotten up yet. I should go check on him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And that's so my mom. Like, I think a, a great reason why my brother and I were able to skate and do the things that we did on skateboards mm-hmm. is because my mom was more concerned that we not have a boring life mm-hmm. than that we break some bones. <laughs> okay. And I come, there were multiple times I come up with a broken arm, mm-hmm. one time broken and dislocated and all sorts of things. And she's like, John, what'd you do this time? Mm. And so I'm really thankful for that. And mm. I don't know why I'm wired that way, you know? You know, that I, it's just, I, I put it this way. At some point, being injured or being in pain or those falls, I'm going to want to avoid that more than the feeling of rolling away from a trick. Mm. But currently, the feeling of rolling away from a trick is a higher priority to me, and it's worth those falls and those slams. And sometimes I even get a little pride out of it because I'll slam hard and I'll get back up and do it the next try. So. Wow. Do you think that, that's interesting, do you think that you're being a skateboarder in terms of overcoming adversity and, and rising to the challenge, is that, has that impacted the way you do your business? Absolutely. Yeah, and I didn't really recognize it until I heard another pro skateboarder talk about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he said, what I do for a living is I fail over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think some for hours sometimes, and you get that one trick, which is three seconds in your video part that has to be about five minutes long or whatever. And yeah, as I look back on it, you know, I'm used to trying things and persevering through it. Whether And a lot of it is, it's not even so much slamming because I'm a pretty consistent skater, so I land tricks pretty often. That's kind of my strength. Mm-hmm. But is scaring yourself to try something that you're mentally scared to do and you physically know you have the ability or you think you do mm-hmm. and getting yourself to do it. Mm. And so when I compare like, okay, am I going to speak in front of this crowd or am I going to try this thing that I've never done before? I'm not really that concerned because it's not like my body's on the line. Like mm. I've done that for 25 years where I've jumped down stuff where I'm thinking, I mean, there, there's been times I've gone to a handrail to film and I made sure I had my insurance card on me. Wow. Because I was like, I'm probably going to the hospital, you know? <laughs> wow. Now, I didn't go to the hospital at that that time. Mm-hmm. There's probably other times where I should have had the card with me. Mm-hmm. But I remember one specifically, there's this rail in my hometown of Reedley, California at Reedley College. I have a photo of it, actually. And it's this, it's this handrail. And we always used to skate the stairs. And nobody had ever done a trick on the rail. Mm-hmm. And I remember always looking at that. And I went with my, with my photographer friend. I was like, dude. I got to no slide this rail. I got to do this trick on this rail. And I remember like, this is going down. Made sure I had the <laughs> the insurance card. Mm. But I don't know. It's Oof. just, man, skateboarding is the best feeling in the world. Just like when you lock into a trick and you ride away and just. Are you, do you still find yourself 
wanting to do things that are there things that you haven't done yet that you've wanted to do, or do you still try to do things that you did when you were younger that you think you can still do? Yeah, that's a good question. So I've fortunately, like I said, I've kind of adapted my skating. So I've gotten, you know, I used to just jump off really tall drops, mm-hmm. and then I started getting a little more technical with ledges and flip tricks. Then I learned how to skate bowls and half pipes and stuff to a point. So now I'm more focused on. I love skating like rails, like when you have like kind of a ramp to mm-hmm. like a flat rail. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing in the world. There's a park near here where I skate all the time. I did a a video for my 36th birthday. It was 36 tricks for 36 years. Yes, yeah. And it was branded with, yeah. with, with the company. And so that's my f- absolute favorite thing to skate. I What's funny is I remember when I used to still jump down stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, man, it's going to suck when I can't do this anymore. Mm. But now I, I stand at the top of like big stairs and I'm like, I have no desire. <laughs> like, I'm like, why would anybody want to jump down this? But I love the other aspects of skating that I can still do. Mm-hmm. But so now it's it's basically, it's not how many stairs can I jump down. It's, can I do this technical trick where I flip the board and I grind or I grind and then I do a flip trick out sort of a thing. So just... Is, is, there, is there exercises that you do to make sure your ankles are okay <laughs> before you do these tricks, John? <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely, you know, I stretch a little bit. I got to stretch more now. What's so funny, I've always been somebody who warmed up really quick. Mm-hmm. And so I just jump out of the van or the car and just like go. <laughs> and then I start slamming hard mm-hmm. doing that because I wouldn't give myself enough time to warm up. Mm. And so now it takes me about 10 or 15 minutes to really get going. Mm-hmm. And what's so funny is I'm rolling around the skate park and I'm just thinking like, these kids are looking at me thinking this old dude, <laughs> all stiff, cruising around. I'm like, set your timers. It's coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, you just wait. So I'm glad I can still do it at a level that I'm I'm happy to do it, still learning tricks. Mm-hmm. And our kids are when young people see you, are they in awe of you, your your ability to do things or or you or they just uh nonchalant about it or they are they or do you know that they're like, Holy wow, that's pretty dope what he's doing. Yeah, you know, I don't like to be too much about myself, but when I go with people, I don't hear it a lot because when I do a trick, I'll I light it and I roll away, right? Mm-hmm. But what's funny is I'll go with people. I was with a friend last weekend at a skate park and uh, she was like, oh, you know you're good when these kids are like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, is that happening? That's funny. And so... Oh, you're oblivious to it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, well, I don't know. Sometimes you'll hear people like cheer and stuff. Mm-hmm. But my whole... I mean, I'm, I'm probably one of the better people at the skate park each time. You right. know, and okay. that's kind of been the experience throughout my life. Mm-hmm. But I've also gone from when I was young, it was all about me and I cared all about the applause and everything like that. Right. And mm-hmm. then like I've kind of evolved into somebody who if nobody sees me skate, do I still enjoy it? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went through that a number of years ago where I was I was all about Instagram. I was all about the image, all about the life I was living or showing the life I was living. And I was really living on other people's validation mm. of what I was doing. And so I went through this kind of course correct where I was like, wait a minute. Like, I'm a pretty simple person. I enjoy some very, a few things. Right. And I found myself like, there's a lot of things I could do that other people think is cool. And it's like, if nobody sees me doing what I do, do I enjoy it? Right. And so my skateboarding is really a big unplug for me. <clears throat> like mm-hmm. I put the phone in the car and I just like, I I very I say very little. In fact, I was I was fortunate to be featured on a website called The Barracks, which is the most visited skateboarding website in the world. Mm. 
and they featured me as like, oh, this guy who's GameStop, esports, marketing, and he's a really good skateboarder was kind of the story. And there were all these comments and stuff. And somebody said, I've seen this guy at my skate park mm. a bunch of times and I've never seen him say more than a couple words to anybody. Mm. I never would have guessed he had such an interesting story. Wow. And it's because I talk all day. I'm engaging people all day. And so I love to, to be friendly. Right. But I really do kind of just keep to myself and I go and I shred and I push myself as hard as I, I can go that day. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of the vibe. Do you think that, speaking of, there was a very interesting point you made about living off of other people's validation. Do you think that human beings, we do that a lot? Or what, what, are, you, what are your Absolutely. thought process about that? Yeah, I think it varies by the person. Right. For me, you know, affirmation is like, fills me up so much from other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think we are a product of our environment. We're a product of how we were raised, mm-hmm. you know? And so if you did not necessarily get some affirmation as a child, like you might need that or crave that, you mm-hmm. know, and you could go into some places to get that, that may not be as healthy as oh, other yeah, places. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so wow. they have, there's a book, this book called the five love languages. Have mm-hmm. you ever heard of yeah. that? Oh yeah. 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 So like words of affirmation is one of those. And that's my main thing. That's your love language? Yeah. Okay. So like if I want to be like, and it goes, you know, it's not just like romantic relationships, right? right? It's it's like, even if like a boss says like, John, you did a great job here. Right, right. I'm like, oh yeah. You know, like some people need to be like slapped a little bit and some people need to be yeah, like told they're doing well and yeah. everybody's encouraged in different ways. I'm definitely a type of person if you just say, hey, I'm really proud of you on that. Or you did a great job. I'm like, I'm going to work even harder for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but, you know, you can rely on that too much. Mm. And I think it's really important in life to focus on what you yourself can control. Right. And I've dealt with this in the business world with clients. Mm. With And I've dealt with this with, there's some people I know in various industries that are pretty high profile. Mm-hmm. And some of those high profile dudes can be, maybe cocky mm-hmm. or maybe they just are so busy like they might be your best friend one day and the next day like they're just too busy and, <laughs> and you feel like they blow you off right yeah, maybe yeah. you could relate <laughs> I can relate and I'm so, one of those people but go ahead <laughs> <laughs> and so what I've caught myself realizing is like my sanity and my happiness can't be based on somebody else's reaction mm-hmm. based on stuff that I have no control over uh, wow. and so it still can be a challenge for me but I remind myself, like, like let's say if I saw you in an event or something, right? And you're busy or something, you're, and you didn't really give me the time of day. I got to remind myself, like, that has nothing to do with my value. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm still who I am. And but so, it took you I'm, time to get that to that point, though, right? It what did. And I, I still have to remind myself of it. Mm. But I've come a long way to learn it. What would you yeah. say to people out here who we've talking skateboarding we're talking about a lot we're here again with john davison the host of the dlc drop on the esports future podcast network and we're here also with innovation media enterprises with aaron and sia holding it down for us aj on will to steal with the sound but let's talk about this john a lot of people are interested in the gaming industry video game yeah. industry want to get into esports what do you say to that person whether they are a young person or if they're someone who's changing their careers that want to get into esports and maybe the sport, that industry is is closed to some degree, right? And people may blow them off or maybe not give them the time of day. How, what would you say to those people that are pursuing that career path? 
Yeah, you know, it's it's becoming more open all the time. Mm-hmm. What I would say is you got to be community first. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you don't want to go there and say, this is who I am. This mm-hmm. is what I'm doing. You want you need to be a part of what I'm doing sort of a thing. What you need to go is you need to, and it's, I'll break it down of different types of people, okay. right? Or different sure. types of situations. Sure. So if you're a young person, you're trying to get in the industry, mm-hmm. I think the best thing you can do is volunteer. Mm. Volunteer with a team at an event, something like that. Now, obviously, this is post-COVID, right? Right. But experience is the most important thing in your business career. If you mm-hmm. don't have experience, you don't know much. Like the way we have learned things is by doing them. Mm. And whether you did them successfully or whether you failed, the reason why these people have backup plans at live event productions is because they've been there before and they've seen it go wrong or they've seen their mentor or their boss tell them, hey, we need to make sure we've got a battery backup for this sort Mm -hmm. of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And we all have the same 24 hours in a day, but it's like, what are you doing with those 24 hours? Mm -hmm. And I always tell young people, I'm like, look, for the first five years of your career, you're you're not going to get paid much you know, you get paid enough. You don't have a lot of bills yet. So, you know, it's not a big deal. You could be a, feel like you're a $40,000 millionaire, you know? Yeah, yeah. But if you can greatly increase your experience mm-hmm. compared to those that are the same age of you, your colleagues, mm-hmm. you're going to be in a much better place at year five when all of a sudden the promotions start happening, the raises start happening, mm-hmm. right? So young people go and just volunteer. Volunteer. You heard that. That's one. And a lot of people, I want to say this, because a lot of people will say, oh, well, these companies are taking co- you know, advantage of kids. You're not paying them, whatever. It is an investment in your future. Mm. Any person who tells you that quote unquote working for free is being taken advantage of has a limited mindset. Mm. And I'm not here trying to get a bunch of people to work for me for free, so it doesn't benefit <laughs> me, you know? I'm yeah. trying to tell people, see the long game. Yes. Everything you do, see the long game. If you're only seeing the immediate game, look, when you're trying to start anything, you're going to have to work harder than yes. down the road once you're maintaining it, right? right? That's just how life is. So, volunteer. For brands, mm-hmm. brands get into the space, non-demic brands. I talk to them all the time. My company, DLC, I do consulting. I help them understand how to engage this community, building strategies that work for their brand, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Call me. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's a plug. <laughs> DLC, yes. Con- contact my man. Tell everybody how to contact you. So DLCyouth.com is my website. John at DLCyouth.com. We're going to do this throughout the broadcast because we got, you got to, you know, market and brand the people you're talking to. That's right. So let's do that again. John, tell them how to contact you again. John at DLCyouth.com or John Davidson Esports on LinkedIn. You'll find me. Yeah, that's it. I just had to throw that plug. Go ahead, John. I just want to make plug, sure plug. we get you. I got to plug you. Go ahead, brother. I appreciate you, my man. Yeah. So sponsors, brands that are from outside the space coming in, you just need to find, you have to have community first. You right. don't want to come in and say, try to hawk your product saying, I need this many sales or I need this many signups on my website, et cetera. But you need to come in and you need to say, okay, what does the community need? Mm. What do they want? When you, I always say this, if you help the community attain what they can't get from themselves and your brand can provide that to them, then you're embraced. Mm. And I'm going to give you a great example in the skateboarding world. By the way, I feel like 
a big piece of why I understand the gaming community so much. Mm-hmm. I'm a part of it, yes. But my life in skateboarding from age 11 to today, you think gamers are hard to reach? Try to reach skateboarders. Mm. And the, the biggest difference is a desire to go mainstream. And I'll give you the litmus test is the Olympics. So skateboarding will be in the Olympics this year. It was supposed to be in the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. You talk to any skateboarder, hey, should skateboarding be in the Olympics? They will laugh you out out of the room. They will make jokes about the jerseys that they're going to have to wear, everything. Skateboarders think the X Games is whack. Mm. Everything outside thinks the X Games is the coolest thing in the world. Skateboarders don't even like competitions at all. Really? The reason they're skateboarding competitions is because they're the best opportunity to make incremental revenue for skateboarders. So you're saying they just like it for the enjoyment. They don't want it. They want to... Skateboarding is not inherently competitive. Mm. In fact, it's more of an art form. It's more expression. It's about video parts going out in the streets, skating what's not meant to be skated and putting that on film and putting a video part together. Wow. That is the core and the heart of skateboarding. It just so happens that you can have competitions. Now, one of the problems with the competitions is that the tricks are so subjective. A trick that might be easy for me might be really hard for somebody else and vice versa. Mm. It's just really interesting how those things work out. It's like hip-hop. Like, you know, (laughs) you have a hip-hop artist and you have rap battles. I mean... Right. uh, Right. Like someone's bars were better than this person's. And sometimes it's obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But a lot of times it's subjective. It's what style do you like? Did did Uh, that really hit you? Right? That's interesting. So it's like having rap in the Olympics. I'm just trying to picture that. That sounds crazy, but yeah, I get rap I, battles I'm in the Olympics. You. I'm backing it. Well, they, they're having breakdancing. Yeah, that's coming up. Yeah, breakdancing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. That should be interesting. So, like I was saying, it's like the Olympics. This is the Olympics. So you ask any skateboarder about how do you feel about skateboarding being the Olympics, and they're going to say, "Oh, how embarrassing! That's the dumbest thing ever. A bunch <laughs> of jocks." That's what they'll say. You ask any gamer, "Hey, should esports be in the Olympics now?" I know it's a longer story about what title, et cetera. But they will argue till the cows come home. Yes, it is a sport. We yeah. should be in there. We deserve it, blah, blah, blah. The difference is the desire to go mainstream. Mm. Skateboarders would rather be left alone and have it all left to themselves. Mm. Now, it hurts the space, the skateboarding space, in my opinion, because it doesn't enable it to grow. Mm. But that's what's positive about the gaming and esports space is that there's a desire to go mainstream and they receive validation they feel it as validation when non-endemics approach them and support the space in a way that's meaningful to them. Now, do you, even though you're someone that can look at both sides of it, would you prefer skateboarders, traditional skateboarders, to have that same mindset? Or do you, or do you ever think that it'll ever evolve into what esports is in terms of, in terms of the, everyone gravitating towards that mindset? Yeah, so because I have kind of a business mindset, I think about everything from a business perspective. I'm very open to brands being in the space, in the skateboarding space. Now, what I love about gamers' perspective of it is I call it a healthy skepticism. Mm. Because you're not letting just anybody in. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, shoot, if you do it wrong, you're never going to have a second chance. You get right. blacklisted. Mm-hmm. But what it does is it, it's almost like a filter. Mm-hmm. It enables brands to come in the space who are willing to support the community and their dollars are funding our activities. Right. So it enables us to grow. Uh-huh. In skateboarding, it's just like, if you're not skater-owned and operated, I don't want you. Uh-huh. And so I would much more wish that the skateboarding community had the perspective that gamers have. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what I'm predicting. 
I think once skateboarding is in the Olympics, mm-hmm. there's going to be massive mainstream growth. Mm-hmm. And the community that grows from that is going to be mainstream, not core. Mm-hmm. So I think they will accept, be more open to non-endemic brands because they don't come from that core mindset. And so you're still going to have a group of core skateboarders and they're going to hate that. Right. But the way I look at it is this. The way we get to do cool stuff, mm-hmm. it requires money. Mm. You know where the money comes from? Sponsors. Mm. That's just how it is. In traditional sports, there's media rights. There right. are sponsors, but the bulk of it is media rights. Right. But let me just say this is, I mean, this is a lesson maybe for skateboarders, but also gamers. If you want more stuff that costs money, mm-hmm. what costs money? Making videos, making content costs money. Having tournaments costs money. Having cool venues like Esports Arlington, the GameStop Performance Center. These things require money. You know mm-hmm. who pays for them? Brands. Brands put money in to gain an ROI, return on their investment. Mm-hmm. And the reason they do that is they'll make more money than if they don't do that or if they do something else. Mm-hmm. And so I would call in our community, yes, continue to be skeptical. But the brands that do it right, let it, let's embrace them, let's champion them, let's give them a reason to keep those dollars flowing into our space so we can do more stuff that we love. Hmm. Wrong. And that's what the Esports Trade Association is a lot about. Tell us about the Esports Trade Association. Yeah, so I got, I got recruited to be on the interim board mm-hmm. about three years ago. Time mm-hmm. flies. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the interim board there voted for me to be president. It was one day they said, okay, we need, to, we need a leader. And <laughs> Megan Van Petten, she's the founder, a great friend of mine, bless mm-hmm. her heart. She shoots me a little chat like right before the vote. Mm-hmm. And I was going to vote for somebody else. You know, mm. my man, Donnie Newfus, he's the one who recruited me mm. on and he's amazing. He he also introduced me to PRG and stuff. He used to work for PRG. Mm-hmm. And so I owe that man a lot of things. And he's a really good friend. Actually, yesterday was his birthday. So oh, happy, happy birthday. birthday, Donnie. So Megan shoots me the little chat. John, it's going to be you. And I was like, what? <laughs> sure enough. So I was president. And then we did. A, we pulled together the permanent board in August of 2019 or sorry 2020 and so i became chairman as a result of that mm-hmm. and so what we're doing the mission is to help improve the business practices of mm-hmm. the esports industry to enable gamers to enjoy more of what we love mm. and what i mean by that is this is a great example sponsorship and revenue is the number one source of revenue in esports and sponsors are going to the space and they're not receiving a great roi on their investment mm-hmm. That is extremely volatile. It's very threatening to the growth of the industry. Mm-hmm. And because what's going to happen, the CMOs who are allocating these dollars for the brands, mm-hmm. not everybody understands like all the sides of this. And I've been fortunate to experience the agency side and the brand side and the production side. Mm-hmm. So CMOs are only at brands for two or three years. Mm-hmm. You got a limited amount of time to make those dollars work. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If those dollars aren't working, they're going to pull them and they're going to put them somewhere else mm. where they have experience. Right. Very few have experience in esports. They have experience in traditional sports, traditional media, these other things. The reason why there's been such a rise in esports in the last four or five years in the U.S. is brands and agencies that support them see that there's decreasing viewership in traditional sports and mm-hmm. tradi- traditional television. Mm-hmm. So they're doing the research and they're saying, well, what are all the kids doing? Because they're trying to reach youth. Right? Right, right. It's really youth marketing. Right. Oh, kids are playing video games. Uh Well, 
The thing with video games is it's super hard to interact with a video game consistently over time. Mm-hmm. You could sponsor a video game release event. But like I know at GameStop, there's like two week promotions up until a game release and then it's done and it's on to the next one. So how do you have a strategy where you continue to do that? Well, they look at esports and they they see like Poland and these other places where they've got these crazy tournaments. It's a little different in the US. Mm-hmm. But they say, oh, I see familiar sponsorable assets that I mm-hmm. recognize from traditional sports. I see wow. jerseys, leagues, teams, venues, content. I know this world. I used to do this in the NFL. I would take my dollars here and put it here. I see these crazy viewership numbers. Well, it requires a lot more context. And mm-hmm. you also can't approach youth the same way that you approach older generations because young people demand more from brands. Mm-hmm. And what they demand, well, I, I tell every brand, if the experience of the community is not better as a result of your brand being in it, you're not ready for it. Wow. Because you get one chance. Mm. So if you understand that, you go to the community, so you understand you need to enhance their experiences in, in, in a meaningful way. Well, what's meaningful to them? And I'm telling you, just sit down with some kids and ask them. They know more than they realize they know. Mm. And I encourage a lot of college students to this too. This is the truth. And you know this because you've worked at a lot of colleges. Is, And college students, don't be offended by this, but this is the truth. When someone says, don't be offended, <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> Here we go. Get ready to edit this out if, if needed. But no, so is when you graduate from college mm-hmm. and you are hired at a company, like it or not, you're unskilled labor. Mm. The reason why you're needed is because the leadership does not have enough hands and feet to carry out the strategy that they are deciding on. And so they need people that are two things. Have a strong work ethic and are organized. If you have a strong work, you're organized, and you go to work every day, you're going to go far in the first five years of your, of your career. Now, here's the other thing, though, which is going to be inspiring, I hope, to kids who game and are familiar with esports. Esports enthusiasts, we'll call them, fans, gamers, are more valuable than any other new graduate. Mm. And the reason why is because these experienced professionals, they have all this experience with traditional media, traditional sports, traditional marketing. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything about gaming or esports and they don't understand the community. Mm. I've talked to so many people who are like 15, 20, 30 years older than me and it's consistent. And they say, John, I don't get it. I've marketed for 30 years to people who are me, who interact with brands the same way I do. This group, I've tried it. I've spent the hours. I've done it. I'm not trying to learn it. I'm trying to find people who I trust Mm. who can tell me what to do. Wow. And so what I encourage older professionals and I encourage college students, create mentorship relationships. Young people, find an experienced professional and just say, hey, I love gaming and I know a lot about esports because I'm in it every day. I probably know more than I realize. I'd love to just sit down with you you ask me any questions you want, what's cool, what's whack, what we should be doing, what I want to do more, mm. what no one's thought of, right? And in turn, I would love to gain from your advice and your experience in business if mm. you would like to have a mutually beneficial mentorship relationship. Mm. And older experienced professionals, I encourage them, I say, go to these classes. You know, I'm on boards for, I'm on a board for UNT. Uh, I'm involved with SMU's esports certificate program. And so I, go to these kids and I tell them, seek out 
you know, a professional. I have college kids I talk to all the time, man, mm-hmm. making sure that I'm staying cool. Mm. But to take it back to the Esports Trade Association, so that's really what we're doing. We want to improve the business practices of the esports industry. A lot of reasons why brands aren't receiving an ROI. A lot of times it's because the the, the partnerships aren't being activated or maximized the way that they could. Mm. And I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying that usually the people who are doing that don't have a lot of experience in that industry managing partnerships. Mm. And so, and that goes across the whole gamut of the industry. Mm. So we want to bring, to bring together the esports industry and bring together complementary experts who are in it for the right reasons, not the cash grab, not just to get rich quick, right. but who are interested in investing their time and getting to know the community and benefiting the community. Bring those people together, enable them to share, share knowledge, create relationships, and hopefully it'll result in our industry growing more sustainably. Uh, one thing I keep hearing you say consistently is community. So you mentioned something. Okay, so let's let's just—it's a lot to unpack here, but it's not a lot to unpack because a lot of some of this stuff is common sense, especially when you're talking to people and you're trying to develop a symbiotic relationship. That's to me the best kind of relationship when you're developing a symbiotic relationship. Absolutely. Um, if you don't know what symbiotic is? Go look it up, please. Mutually beneficial. Mutually beneficial. Yes, it's not an SAT word. Not an ACT <laughs> word. Just look it up, please. But you know, my one is we're a smart audience, so we're going to do that. You, I know you're going to do that. But, but seriously, you know, that mutually beneficial relationship between two parties is so essential. And that's why you did so well being the head of partnerships at, at GameStop. And, and that's what my background was when I was working for Champs and Foot Action. I was the head of global partnerships as well. And I think that when you think about people first, I think yeah. about how you benefit the community that you're around. You grew up in California, you grew up in uh, Hispanic communities, you lived in all, all sorts of communities. Yeah. But when you were in those communities, you didn't think, okay, I'm just John. You thought about, hey, I'm a part of this community. How do I make it mutually beneficial for me? Because I want to be a part of this, right? Absolutely. And and so the same thing with skateboarding. You, you're like, okay, there's about, you know, 12-year-olds to like 50-year-olds skating. But <laughs> right. how do you make that environment during that time that you're there exciting for people you share ideas, you communicate, or in your, your case, you you perform without yeah. really speaking and people get to emulate maybe what you do. The point is that yeah. there's different ways to giving back. But one thing I, I like about what you, what, about the, the DLC, but also about your podcast and also about what you said that that are very important for, for young people as well as people that are in these brands is volunteering and community first, yeah. right? Community first. And then while you get into that space, the work ethic and organizational skills is the reason why people want to hire you. Yeah, right? I'll tell you this is the way to build a network, you know, community in business, we call it a network, right? Right. And so, boy, your network is so important because you know who people hire? They hire people they know. Yes. They hire people they trust. And they hire people that they have friendships with. In fact, the reason why it's illegal to just hire your friends is because people hire their friends all the time. And right. guess what? They do it anyway. They find ways around it. Right. Every great job that I've gotten that I've been hired for is because I knew somebody. Yes. And the way that you build a network is not by going to people and pitching them. It's not by telling them about yourself. It's about bringing value to them. Mm -hmm. And when you bring more value to people, when you go to them first and you just help them with what they need, they're going to keep you around. And mm-hmm. on my podcast, I had Jeff Moore. He's the president and COO of Team Envy. He was mm-hmm. at the Dallas Stars for a long time, other traditional sports franchises. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, he's like, man, I'm a busy guy. Mm. And he said, 
you know how many people are coming to me with my hopes, their hopes and dreams and, oh, Jeff, I want to do this and I want to do that. And mm-hmm. will you help me? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, dude, I got problems. <laughs> I got a team. I got to figure out how to do, you know, monetize and market and all these things. I got right. family at home. I got a mortgage, all these things. He's like, if you can help me solve my problems, right. then I'll have time and bandwidth and I'll, you'll have my attention. Then I can help you with your problem. Wow. But the way to, to build a network and especially these high level people, right? Mm-hmm. What you got to understand, a lot of people don't realize is like people who are high level mm-hmm. have people asking them stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm not even that high level. I got people hitting me up constantly, mm-hmm. right? And it's like so much, I can't even read all the messages, wow. you know? And so it's, it's, it's not that I don't want to help people. It's that I don't have time. Well, if you're supporting my content or you're introducing me to somebody who's mutually beneficial, you're bringing me an opportunity, then number one, it gets my attention, right? It's right. hard to for people like us to get our attention because we're so busy. right? And so I just want to encourage people that don't go to people and pitch them. right? Go to people and say, hey, what can I help you with? What are your goals? Right. Now, everybody knows there's a pitch behind that, right? right? But just say, I want to learn more about what you're doing and see if I can help you. Right. And if you can't help somebody, it's okay. Developing that relationship is so important. I always tell people, it's not who you know, but who knows you. Mm. It's all about relationships. And if someone someone that you know is, is, they could be a friend. But Or they might be an associate. They may be someone that you just happen to have met. And you may not do business with them right now, but still you don't know. In the future, it could happen. Yeah. Just get to know people, right? Because you never know. You, John and I, we, I don't think, you, you probably know this, baby. You don't know this. But the reason why I'm here right now, everyone, on the Esports Future Ride Podcast Network is because of this man right here. Yes, yeah. he's the reason for that. How is that? He, <laughs> he, he, when he was at the Esports Trade Association as president, he got me to join it, which yeah. I did. And then they said, he said, Hey, why don't you, he recommended me to be a part of a panel discussion. Right. And through that panel discussion, Sia, who yeah. is the producer of one co-producer of the show with Aaron, she contacted me in September and right. said, I would love to get you uh, on a podcast to be interviewed with, with a few of the, the podcasters there. At the time, they didn't have the podcasters, uh, but it turned out to be one of the people that's on there is, uh, you know, John. And, and you know, John John has a podcast, and it was really interesting. Lewis, and Lewis Johnson, you know, <laughs> who is one of my favorite broadcasters ever, and I've always wanted to be interviewed by him, but I wasn't good enough in track to be interviewed by him. <laughs> but I got a chance to be interviewed by him on his podcasting network. And, and I think it was uh, Chantel as well. Yeah. That's, that's, those are the two shows that I want to be a part of, I think, in December. And that's how I met Jacob. And now I'm here. And again, yeah. that's and I, I had no idea. And so you don't know where anybody's going to be in the next five to 10 years. So when you get to know people, don't expect things to happen overnight. Like when yeah. you're in classes, you're in school. You know, you can walk by. This is what I tell people. Do not do this. Walk on campus and do this all the time. Look up sometimes because you might walk past your future business partner, your future fiance, future husband, future wife, future whatever. If if, if you look up and say hi sometimes, right? Because you don't know. 
John and I met, I don't even know how John and I met, I think through Stadia Ventures, but I invited John to one of my classes that I was teaching at the University of Houston two, almost two, almost three years ago now. Yeah. And we maintain a friendship. I don't see him every day. I don't talk to him every day, right. but we pick up where we live, we live off all the time. Yeah. Right. I don't have to hang out with him. I don't have to go to dinner with him all the time. You can still have friendships with people without seeing them every day. Yep. But people sometimes think, John, that I got to see you every day. I got to be your best friend. I got to be on Instagram and Twitter with you. No, you don't. Right. Yeah. You can still manage and maintain a friendship. There's different kinds of friendships. And I think the most important thing we learned today is that symbiotic relationship, getting to know people from other cultures and who they are that don't look like you. And we have to bring John back because we really need to dive into the part of talking about DNI. And like I said, yeah. he is one of the people that I love to talk to about this topic because you are someone who's serious about it. We still haven't talked about the GameStop deal with complexity. We got there's a lot to unpack here, brother. Yeah. Um, we're up coming up on the hour. So can you come back? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, because we really need to talk about that. I think the basis of my show and all the shows are about esports, but guess what? <clears throat> the end of the day, it's really about relationship building and yeah. how do we manage and maintain that? And I think that 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 our country needs it right now. We need healing. We need people to, to touch the minds, the mind, body, and soul in the hearts of all, all, all people. And it has nothing to do with race, gender, or class. It has something to do with the human condition. Absolutely. Right? I think, you know, we could tease some of the DNI stuff because I'd love to talk about that a little bit. At sure, least I sure. know we're coming up on the hour. But let me tell you what I realized when mm -hmm. I was building the board for the Sports Trade Association. I was so focused on building a diverse board. Mm -hmm. And you know what was shocking and heartbreaking to me? Mm. Was how difficult it was. Mm. Being so purposeful to do it, mm -hmm. to find quality, qualified people who are diverse. Right, right. And there's more, there's more than one type of diversity. Right. Right? Like there's color and there's gender, but there's also background. Right. right? But I wanted, I wanted have people from all sorts of backgrounds but you also can't in this day and age build a board that's just a bunch of white people who are like but they're from different places <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> one has blue eyes one has brown eyes that's yeah. right <laughs> you know what i mean and, and it, or just all women or all right there's right you can have all sorts of lacking diversity right right but what it opened my eyes to and during the the death of george floyd mm -hmm. i wrote a newsletter and we we're talking about diversity in sports and so I talked to you, I talked to a number of other people because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't misstepping as somebody from outside of that community who was looking at it in the wrong way. Right. Right. So thank you to you and the other people who helped to check me and make sure that my words and my thoughts were on target. Right. But there's a number of things. Number one, I, I think it's so important that we highlight minorities, not just who are on the stage, but who are in business. Mm. And we give because what that does is that gives people vision. Mm. You know, you could say one of the most positive aspects of Barack Obama's presidency mm. was that he showed black men that it was possible to be president. Mm. Right? It's very rare that people have the vision to do something that nobody's ever done before. Mm. A lot of times you can feel limited that I've never seen anybody who looks like me do that. Right? Mm. And you probably know this even better than I do. But, you know, highlighting people and saying in these communities, even if you're not a star athlete or you're a star musician, you still have a future. Right, right. Right? And I think around the junior high level is when you need to give people vision. Mm -hmm. And then around high school and college through that 
period, you're developing the skills. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, honestly, man, when I went to, high, to college, I had no idea what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. I dropped out of college the first time I went skateboarding for a living. <laughs> uh-huh. Then I came back once I knew I wanted to do marketing. Uh-huh. But in high school, if if around the junior high area age, you could show people, especially in minority communities who, who appear to have limited options, wait, the CMO of Activision Blizzard is African-American, mm-hmm. right? The commissioner of Overwatch League and Call of Duty League, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it doesn't mean you don't need to highlight the stars who are on the stage as well. Mm-hmm. But to say, hey, not only do you have an option, you've got multiple options. Right. Because every community, every you're going to have kids who are good at a variety of different things. Mm-hmm. Right? You're going to have somebody who maybe they have a gift for marketing, have a gift for communication, mm-hmm. but they don't have a great voice from a singing perspective. Right? right? Well, hey, if you can see Lewis Johnson Mm-hmm. as this broadcaster like wait i want to do that i find right. it very natural that i understand the games and i'm able to talk about them and everything you know and then throughout high school you know the education leads towards developing those skills right you know and and esports the thing i love about our industry is there's so many different aspects of, of education that you can take mm-hmm. and then filter into the esports industry yes marketing communications there's a whole art psychology, side, psychology, law. Exactly. You need accountants, mm-hmm. right? You need social media Physical managers, everything. Yes. So everything in traditional sports and even more because you have the whole art and design side yep. and, and coding and, and software development side of it. Right. And so one thing I love about our industry, we're not where we need to be, mm-hmm. obviously, but I love that our industry is aware of the issues. Right. And that means you have a starting point to make real change. And Absolutely. so that's what I have a heart for. And I hope that I can use my influence and, and the things that I do to, to help people now who need help, but also to provide vision and development for people who are going to be the next generation of our industry. Well, you, you, you say you hope to, and you have, brother, you, you have been, Thanks. you are, and you're, you're continuing to do it. I know we can talk about this another time. You and I are, are embarking in uh, something potentially huge that you got me involved with. Again, the brothers doesn't stop. You know, he really wants to bring and break the gap and bring cultures and communities together. And I think the uh, the DLC drop his show on the Esports Future Eye podcast network is powerful. The uh, the DLC, the Davidson Learning Company, also, again, a company that he's the CEO and founder of. So important. And he's really focused on community and building community first. Very important. Not too many people think about that. People are not selfless, but we need to be more selfless and really find ways to, to, to see how you can contribute to society. Uh, John, tell us again how people can contact you. Absolutely. So you can find, if you go on LinkedIn, you search John Davidson Esports, I'll pop up. You can find me, my company on Instagram, DLC underscore youth, mm-hmm. uh, both on Instagram and Twitter. On Twitter, personally, I'm John Davidson, but J zero. H-N-D-A-V-D-S-O or zero N, so zeros instead of O's there. <laughs> a little complicated. <laughs> Say it again, John. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make, make sure they know who they're talking to. At John Davidson, J zero, H-N-D-A-V-I-D-S-0-N. Zero there we instead go. Of O's. Okay. Um, yeah, holler at me. I'd love to connect with new people. Love Twitter to too. help anybody I can. Yeah. Twitter? Twitter. Same thing. What do you, what do you want? What do you want Twitter? Same on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. 
It Listen, was- I'm, I'm telling you, uh, people out there, we we really need to to really think about this. And again, it's it's a pleasure. I mean, I could be talking another hour or two with John, but we really need to think about those things: community, volunteering, and really developing a strong work ethic. Make sure your word is your bond. Make sure that you have integrity. Make sure that you are are just an honest person. And again, it has nothing to do with your race, class, gender. That's important. You know, people like to make it important, but you as a person is more important and developing those real meaningful conversations with people and real meaningful friendships is so important. So remember, I always say three things that you can control, what you think, what you do, and what you say. That's all you can control. You can't control anybody else. And I just want to encourage you all to continue to practice this social distancing. This mask wearing is so important, my friends. We've lost too many people. I don't want to see us lose anybody else. Even if I don't know the people, I'm still empathetic. And so I would encourage you to drink your tea, have your honey. You know, I got my honey over here on the side. I got my lion's hat. Yes, I'm representing Florida Memorial University, HBCUs all day, every day. And again, uh, thank you for listening to Dr. Mark's Masterclass. We're here on the Esports Futurai Podcast Network. We shout out to Innovation Media, Media Enterprises with Aaron and Sia. AJ, thank you so much. Miles, Jacob Miles, thank you so much for providing this opportunity for all of us. We will see you soon and we will talk to you again. And we're going to bring John back to talk to you again on this show. And uh, you have a great day, night, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Peace. Thanks for listening to Dr. Mark's Masterclass. I pray you enjoyed yourself today. I had a good time. I don't know about you, but this podcast is part of the Esports Future Ride Podcast Network and is produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and let us know how we're doing by leaving a comment or a review. Class dismissed.